In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text is the Gospel reading, which you've already heard. Ash Wednesday provides us with some tension. On the one hand, we, this evening, for the very first time, have started the practice of putting on ashes, which is where the name Ash Wednesday comes from, incidentally. On the other hand, we have Jesus telling us, flat out, I'm sure you sensed it in the Gospel reading, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. I am not unaware of this tension, and I know that many of you feel it, so let's address it. How can the putting of on, putting on of ashes be reconciled to our Lord's admonition to wash our faces? Well, first, let's take the words of our Lord Jesus in context in Matthew 6. Notice how he addressed giving to the needy, prayer in this passage, and those are the traditional Lenten disciplines along with fasting. He says of giving to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. At face value, these words may seem to indicate that we should not give any sort of donation to a needy organization if someone else were to know about it as if knowledge of that good work would ruin it. Or take what he says about praying. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Again, it would almost appear that Jesus is forbidding us from praying in public where others might see us do it. If we take passages like that, however, then we'd have to make some pretty serious changes around here. We could not collect an offering during the service, which I think would make our treasurer very upset. Or, if you're going to the Trinity Lutheran High School auction or the Lutheran Central auction, you probably ought not bid on any items. We couldn't have given a special door offering for the Concordia Counseling Center a few weeks ago. We could not pray as part of our service here. You could not pray before meals as a family, especially if you are in a restaurant because you are not alone in your closet. Is this what Jesus is really telling us to avoid? Certainly not. The warning here is not against doing these things within the view of others. The warning here is aimed at the heart of the individual who will do these things. This is Jesus' M.O. all the time when he tells us, for instance, that murder is not just about what we do with our hands, but it's about what occurs in our hearts. You've heard me say this many times, but in case you've forgotten, when Jesus says, when you give, when you pray, when you're fast, he's saying that he's expecting that you will do these things. These are not optional things for the Christian life. However, we are not to do them to gain the praise of men. If you do these things in order to show your righteousness to other people, your outward spirituality, well, that's the only reward that you're going to get. 
That's an earthly treasure that can be destroyed by our society's fickle opinions on religion. Gone are the days when society at large has a positive view of Christianity. There is a difference between practicing your righteousness where other people can see it and practicing your righteousness so that it may be seen by others. It is only the second that our, G that our Lord Jesus is warning us against. So then, where does that leave us with the ashes on our foreheads? Well, this is a matter of the heart, as I said. I cannot police your heart any more than anyone else in this room can. If you put on ashes today in order to show them off or to take a selfie to put on your Instagram account, I suggest that you stop at the bathroom on your way out to wash your face before you do that. This abuse, however, does not warrant the disposal of the ceremony altogether. We wouldn't even consider dispensing with baptism just because someone might abuse it. We wouldn't abolish the reading of the Old Testament just because the devil misuses it when he tempted Jesus, as we'll hear on Sunday. So then, what is the proper use of the ceremony of ashes on this day? Well, the use of ashes is an ancient custom that goes back to the Old Testament, which, thanks be to God, we're not dispensing with. Joshua and the elders of Israel put on dust on their foreheads when they sinned against God, when they were defeated in battle. The same was also true of the people of Judah, who returned from Babylon's exile to Jerusalem. Job sat in ashes in mourning over his losses. The people of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah in sackcloth and ashes. This reminds me of what the Lord said to Adam after his fall into sin. Dust you are, and to dust you shall return. The ashes on your foreheads are a sign of your mortality. It is a sign of what sin has wrought in your members. And the wages of that sin, dear saints, is death. So says St. Paul. But there's another function that the ceremony of ashes serves. They also serve to remind us that we have a savior from sin and from that death. Adam is a man of dust, and we also are men of dust. We bear his image because the image of God was lost to us in the fall. But notice the shape of the ash on the forehead. The ugly smudge forms the sign of the Holy Cross. For it was at the cross that the one who created dust, who formed the dust into the first man, Adam, and breathed into that dust man the breath of life, who warned Adam of the consequences of disobeying his will, that man, the man of heaven, he took on your image and your likeness in every single way. Even though he was tempted, he did not sin, and yet he still bore the weight of of all of your sins and the sins of the whole world. St. Paul tells us that he became sin for us. This hard theological truth is shown when the sun was darkened as the father turned his face from his beloved son who cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus took on the curse of death for us and was returned to the dust of the earth. 
There at the cross, the righteousness of God attested to by the law and the prophets is revealed to us. And you, dear saints, have been marked with that holy cross on your forehead and on your heart, not in ashes, but at your baptism. When you were baptized, you were baptized into the death of Jesus at the cross. As St. Paul says, you were crucified with Jesus. It is no longer you who lives, but it is Christ who lives in you. And now that ashy cross on your forehead serves as a reminder of your salvation. Jesus accomplished that salvation for you on his cross. And he brought that cross forward to you in time to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. And so we begin the season of Lent anew by tracing the sign of the cross on our foreheads. It is a reminder of what our sin has cost us, but it is also a reminder of how your God took on your sin to redeem you by his holy cross. Now that we have finally entered into the season of Lent, let us follow him now to the cross and to the grave, that we might also follow him to the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. In Jesus' name. And now, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.